Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio, what I do is I bring you guests, I bring you information to help you think, hopefully to help you feel, and then to take action. Guys Guys Radio, we've done over 400 shows. I've interviewed probably close to 500 people. And my goal is to bring guests that have new information that you can consider and hopefully will enhance uh, your lifestyle and your experience. So, Guys Guys Radio. So, who do we have on the show today? We've got two guests. We've got Heather Ash Amara. She's written this book called The Warrior Heart Practice, A Simple Process to Transform Confusion into Clarity, Pain into Peace. And what is it about? It's really about not allowing uh, situations that come up to trigger us, and sometimes because of fear and anxiety, uh, you know, fear of the future, anxiety with the past, or vice versa, that we make things bigger than they are. Something happens, we get triggered, and we get all freaked out. And then when we really think through it and feel through it, we realize that we've, we've created this monster that doesn't have to be a monster, and we can tame and contain it if we go through this process that Heather Ash teaches us, and it's all based on Toltec teaching. So if you're familiar with the work of Carlos Castaneda and all his wonderful books, this is very similar to that. So it's really enjoyable, particularly if you like Castaneda. I think you're going to like our discussion. Our other guest is Linda Carroll. She's written a book about uh, called Love Skills, a Key to Unlocking Lasting Wholehearted Love. And you know, this is not a girly book, and I know a lot of guys don't get into this stuff, but it's really about what I got out of it. It's about conversation and communication. It's about how to connect with your partner and how to not have them feel that you're shutting them down, particularly if you're a guy. You don't want your partner to feel that you're not aware, present, mindful, and emotionally available with them. So Linda Carroll's going to be here. I think it's going to be a great show. Guys, Guys Radio, and our first guest, I can't wait to get started. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, your host Robert Manny. As I mentioned, we have a special guest. I'm a big fan of uh, Carlos Castaneda, and he did a lot of work in what's called the Toltec area. And it's such a pleasure for me to have somebody who's an expert in that area. So let me tell you a little bit about Heather Ash Amara. She's the founder of Toki, I believe it's called, the Toltec Center of Creative Intent. And she's the author of a number of books, including... The Warrior Goddess Training Series. She brings an open-hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings, a rich blend of Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, Buddhism, and Native American ceremony. She lives in Texas. She travels extensively. I believe she took an airstream out and uh, got the inspiration for this book, which is called The Warrior Heart Practice, A Simple Process to Transform Confusion into Clarity and Pain into peace, something we all wrestle with. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Heather Ash Amara. Thanks so much, Robert. Great to be with you. So let's start right at the beginning. I was so uh, intrigued by the fact that you uh, hopped in an Airstream and took it around the country because I have a sister-in-law and she's dying to get an Airstream and trick it out and do the exact same thing. And I'm like, I never thought about that myself, but I, I guess it would be really a, quite an adventure and really cool. So tell us a little bit about that and how you got inspired to do this book from that. Yeah, I love it. So I grew up re- traveling a lot, so I'm, it's in my blood. So I get to travel and teach and visit friends and have my home with me. So it's a great lifestyle for me. 
What was it, what was it like when when you're traveling somewhere? How do you know where to go? Is it is all recreational vehicle areas that you go to, or can you just park anywhere? Or what what what's the What's the best part of doing that, and what's the kind of the biggest challenge when you're doing the whole airstream thing? We'll get to the book in a second. I'm just, I think it's something yeah. that everybody can relate to this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fun thing is I have a small trailer, a 20-foot trailer, so I can park pretty much anywhere, and so that makes it easy. I can park, you know, just find places to, to nook myself out, and I'm pretty self-sufficient, so every once in a while I'll find a campground that has electricity, but a lot of times I can just find a really beautiful place and pull over and wake up and be someplace glorious and have a couple days where I don't have to be plugged in. So that's been lovely. The hardest part for me is internet. So mm -hmm. since so right. much of what I do is based on having good internet. That sometimes because becomes the biggest challenge. Where's right. the signal? <laughs> right, exactly. And then how about with uh, the people? You meet a lot of kindred spirits while you're on the road? Or is it vacationers or a little bit of everything? It's a little bit of everything. I've actually met a group of people that live on the road with their kids, which is amazing. Like they homeschool their kids and there's a whole community of people that come together and travel and, and uh, homeschool their kids from the road. And also people that love Airstreams. I mean, there's a whole community just around Airstreams, which is fantastic. And then a lot of people that are just traveling cool. for, the, for the winter. Excellent. Okay, let's get to the book. So uh, as I mentioned, I'm a big Carlos Castaneda fan. When I was in my teens, I read every one of his books, and I was so intrigued because the first couple of books it was about, he was really taking a lot of uh, peyote and mescaline-type products, and uh, and Don Juan was his teacher, which was this uh, elder uh, Yaqui Indian, and uh, they were in uh, Mexico, in the mountains of Mexico. And then after, I think, the second book, basically there was no more drugs, really. And because the and I say drugs in quotes, it, 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 these are natural stimulants, I guess. But Don Juan basically said, you don't need that anymore. That's I had to get you kind of ready for the journey. And then uh, Don Juan uh, kept teaching Carlos Castaneda uh, the art of uh, stalking, uh, how to use intent, how to how to work with and recognize people who are on Earth that are really aren't regular people. And then um, uh, the, the difference between the tonal wor world and the Nagual. And then also what was so fascinating is after, I think, the third book, uh, Don Juan just leapt off the cliff and became a crow and just he was gone. And that was it. And then Carlos was there with all these other apprentices for the next five or six books. And some people would say, hey, it's all nonsense. And other people say, no, it's real. And I had Dan Millman on uh, a couple of months ago when he wrote The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And there's some similarities there, but there's some big differences there. So. Tell us, and forgive me for the long question, but I want to do a setup on that. Tell us how Carlos Castaneda's work and the Toltec teachings influenced you and how you drew upon them to create your warrior heart practice. Yeah, that's a great question. So the Toltecs were a group of people that came together in South and Central Mexico. And when the Spanish invaded Mexico, the people that were holding that, that particular wisdom, which was very powerful, decided to go underground. And so they all scattered. Then the commitment was to just teach one-on-one. -on -one. But there's a prophecy that the Toltec teachings would be really important and would come back into the modern world at a certain point. And around that time, uh, Carlos Castaneda got the directive by Don Juan, go share this these teachings. That was the first time it publicly went back into the Western world and around the world, and it's hugely popular. And then my teacher, Don Miguel, also had that same mandate from his grandmother, who was an incredible curandera. And so he wrote the four agreements and there was that was the next wave of the teachings going out. And so the Toltec teachings are so powerful because they're really about 
teaching us how to manage our energy, how to make sure that we're centered, that we're grounded, and to become really aware of how we create our reality by the way we think, by how we perceive the world around us. And so a lot of the work in, that I do now has, has this really strong foundation in the Toltec. And from all the studies that I've done, I've studied a lot of different spiritual traditions, a lot of different healing paths, done a lot of therapy, the Toltec teachings are by far the most powerful and practical for helping people make change. What do you think going on in the, the modern world that needs to be addressed and can be most easily and best addressed through your practice, which is a four-chamber of the heart practice? So why don't you take a little time, talk about that, and uh, set it all up for us. Yeah, one of the main things is fear and scarcity. So the current dream, what we can call the dream of the planet, the way most humans dream is, is, found, is out of fear. And you can really see that if you turn on the news, or if you look at magazines, the message we're getting back is drama, scarcity, you should be afraid. And magazines, like the advertising, the main message is you're not enough. And so what I see for many of us in Western culture right now is we're, we're very weakened, we'll say, to move towards fear and disaster mind and living in the past or worrying about the future rather than being absolutely present in the moment and creative around how we're going to dream our reality, how we want to take action in the world. We're very distracted and very easily hooked by fear. And the second piece is around the self-worth. Like a lot of people now struggle with self-worth, feeling good enough, feeling like they're okay, self-criticism, comparing themselves to this image of who they think they should be. So mm -hmm. really the work comes into helping us to come back home to ourselves and get really present with the here and now, what do I want to create so that we're creating from that heart space? And I, that's why I called it the warrior heart practice is it takes courage to really face ourselves. Okay. And it takes a lot of compassion as well to untangle the places that we're caught up in fear or limitation or that we're carrying old beliefs that don't serve us. Got it. Let's get into the, the practice itself. I know it's, you go through a deep dive in the book, but it's very clear and it's very, I don't want to say simple in a negative way, in a very positive way that is very digestible that people can process this and use it in their day-to-day -day lives. So if you have an issue, maybe you have anxiety over something. I'll give you an example. I had, I had a deal fall through on a piece of real estate and it's created anxiety for me. And I keep getting messages when I meditate or I do my spiritual enfoldment class. It's like release, release, release. When you give it over to spirit and trust, that's it. Every time you think of it, it's going to just, you, you, you're hanging on to it. So just blow it up. When it comes up, just put it in a balloon. and So using that as an example, because everybody has one of those things. that's kind of that black cloud that's kind of chasing them around. Now, you have a four-part process of the heart, the feeling, the story, the truth, and the intent. And what I love about it is you, you work your way through there, and then you work your way back again. So, Heather Ash, could you clean up what I just threw at you, if you will? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. It's so true. So you start the practice with where's the place that you're struggling, that you're confused, that you're triggered, that you're upset. And you start then with the question, what am I feeling? And what we're teaching ourselves to do is separate the feeling from the story. What most of us do is we tangle together the feeling, then we tell ourselves a story, then the story causes us to have more feeling, and we just get stuck uh, bouncing back and forth. And so to turn and say, what am I feeling? Close your eyes, take a breath. And what am I feeling right now? Where is it in my body? 
That's the start point. And then you go to the story. And the question is, what am I telling myself? And you want to be really honest about what the, the voice is, what your dial, inner dialogue is saying to you. So to, to let yourself excavate as I think about it and dig with what's, what am I telling myself? And then you step into the, fourth, the third chamber, excuse me, which is the truth chamber. And what most of us do is we write a better story and call it the truth. In the book, I go in great detail of how to right. tell the difference between the story and the truth. And basically, the truth is incredibly simple. It's one sentence with a period at the end and then space. Mm-hmm. Anytime you go, you know, like this deal fell through and it means da, 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 all that story. The truth is the deal fell through, period. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then the final chamber is the intent chamber. What do you want? What's your focus? And so it's one word that you pick of where you're going to put your commitment to putting your energy. And it's not the deal shouldn't have fallen through. I want this person to take this action. The, the, your intent is based on what you're want, working on with yourself right now. So the intent might be, I want to feel peace no matter what happens. I want to feel centered. I want to have compassion, whatever it is, that word. And then you go back through the process. And this is where you get to clean everything up. So you now have your intent, you have the truth, and then you go back into the story. And what used to be like this just confusing mess because of how the Mm -hmm. stories get tangled together, now you can go back with the truth and with your intent and see it in a very different way and learn. It helps you figure out what's the right action to take, basically. Mm -hmm. And we always close in the feeling chamber. Would this be similar, Heather Ash, to like I was speaking, I interviewed Paul Selleck, who channels these Mikhelzadek uh, guides, and uh, they talk about a place called the upper room, where it's basically you're still in reality, but everything is realigned and reframed, and you don't do anything different, but you're, you're recognizing yourself in divine will. And by doing that, it creates a clarity, and it, it, it diminishes the impact of your small self or ego in getting in the way. So as you describe, all that story stuff is things that we make up out of anxiety. You know, we get the past is the past, the future is the future. The only thing is right now. And it sounds like your process is similar in that you're clearing, helping people clear things out so they can focus on the here and now and not be bogged down by the issues that the small self has. Is that directionally yeah, correct that's exactly it and it's what we call the the difference between the little soul and the big soul so the big okay. soul is that part of you that that is wise that's connected that is the 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 wisdom that we all have inside of us and it's not outside it's inside and the little soul is the ego and the the part that's freaking out of like i don't know how to do this and it's all gone wrong and so we're learning how to keep stepping out of little soul into big soul to hold. And it's not about rejecting little soul. It's about how do we basically hold little soul, that part of us that goes into fear or scarcity so that it can mature, that it can grow up so that it can reconnect with the big soul. So on a practical basis, uh, obviously, everybody has some big issues and uh, most of them probably are based on fear and survival or lack and uh, but day to day things come up. How can the individuals put your process into play to just take care of any day to day type of situation where they don't want to get caught up and all wound up in something that's not worth getting all wound up in? Yeah. And it's a great way to do it is to practice on the little things like the little frustrations. And that helps you build the capacity to then unwind the big stories that you might have. So let's say you're in traffic and you find yourself irritated 
instead of thinking about why you're irritated or trying not to be irritated, to just stop and go irritated, feeling irritated. Where is it in my body? Breathe. You don't try and change it or fix it. You just notice what the impact on your physical body is, where the emotion is. And you might also find, oh, and I'm also feeling grief. Huh, okay. So you just check with what's there. And uh, then me, really quickly. Uh, let me interrupt. The, yeah. that's, that, what you just mentioned, but I want you to continue. Just forgive me. But yeah. you mentioned where you feel that in your body. And I think that's really important. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit and then continue, please? Absolutely. Most of us intellectualize our feelings. So we're thinking about the feeling rather than experiencing it. So this practice helps you drop into what's the somatic physical body experience that I'm having. So it challenges you to say irritation, but where is the irritation? Oh, my hands feel itchy. My belly feels tight. My, I'm, you know, clutching my, I'm not breathing all the way. And so that, that's what you notice is the physical symptoms of the emotion and where are you experiencing it? Makes a huge difference. Okay. Most of us spend most of our, a lot of energy avoiding and exiting our emotional body. Mm -hmm. This teaches you to courageously face it, drop in. Would you agree that uh, a lot of the emotions then can get stored, that get, that get stuck in our body and can get stored in our organs and that can create problems later on, decades later, mm -hmm. because we haven't processed things through? Yeah, absolutely. We're all carrying so much, uh, so many emotions from the past and we, it ends up in our body. It has to go somewhere. So mm -hmm. our physical body in its wisdom is like, okay, I'll store this here. I'll hold this here. And as we, we, start to release the old emotional content, it can be a lot of healing that happens. A beautiful part of the process is the clearing the past out, that you, it's not yours to carry anymore, and giving your body permission to feel it. And once the body has permission to feel it, then it knows how to release it. Now, once you start doing this, Heather Ash, and by the way, Heather Ash Amara is our guest. The name of her book is The Warrior Heart Practice, a simple process to transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace. It's Robert Manny, your host, Guys Guys Radio. When we move forward, when we, we go through the process and we get good at it, what are we feeling? What is the difference in our day-to-day -day lives and on being present? And what, how, how, how do things change on a practical basis once we can incorporate this practice into our lives? Yeah, once we learn to separate things out and clean up the pieces, mm -hmm. what happens is that we come back into more of a sense of wholeness, more of a sense of peace, presence. And what I see is that instead of there being a lot of noise in our head, we're, we drop in, we're present. It allows us to connect to our creativity, to our intuition, to our own inner wisdom. And we know what the next steps are. There's this stillness in our being and silence that allows us to then wait for the answer to arise from our wisdom rather than what most of us do, which is I got to figure it out. And then there's right, all this right. noise. There's everything just becomes much more simpler. It really does. Now, how did you learn this and put it into practice for yourself and then kind of uh, dice it up where you came up with the four chambers and the, you know, your process? How did, how did that all happen? And uh, did you uh, have some trouble with it initially? Uh, did, you, did you have an eureka moment? What, what was that like? Yeah, I've been, I've been teaching for about 20 years and it, this came as just a complete download. I was talking to a mm -hmm. friend who was really struggling and I was trying to figure out how to help him and this process dropped in fully formed. And I was like, all right, let's try this. And my question was, how do I help my friends stay in the truth? So I started using it on myself. And then I started bringing it to some of my advanced students. And we found really quickly, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It, it's so effective. And I myself have 
like untangled some process, you know, some things that have come up in my life that would have taken me years, literally to untangle. It took me 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. One of the things I really love about the book, because you're so caring for the reader at the very end of the book, there's the warrior heart practice sheet. And it tells you, you know, feeling, what are you feeling? The, the story, the truth, the intent, and then you go back the other way. And it really gives you a practical step-by-step. Here's how you do it. And I, I you know, I, I interview so many guests and everybody has a process, but you know what? This is a really good process because it's simple and it, 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 it I don't want to say discipline. It's too big a word, but it puts you, it, it, it allows you to frame the, the, the craziness that you're feeling and put it into compartmentalize it so it doesn't drive you crazy. And then you can separate and say, okay, what do I feel about this? What am I telling myself about this? And then by the time you go through the process and back again, you realize that, you know, you let the intangible, you let all the, the, the nonsense get ahead of the issue. And the issue is really how you feel and you can change the way you feel by taking a step back. And usually things aren't as bad as we think they are. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's really accurate. And it's a skill that the more you do it, the easier it becomes, the faster it becomes to clear it. Yeah, I'm a very, very practical person. So I'm like, how do we help people untangle things and get into authentic expression in the present with what's arising? Because there's always going to be challenges. This practice isn't saying if you're doing it right, no challenges will arise. It's saying life can be challenging. Here's a tool you can use for any of the challenges that arise to get clear. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me just ask you a dovetail for a second. Oh, back to Castaneda. I remember when Castaneda, when they got past the peyote and everything, they there was a thing called these. And and the reason I'm asking, I want to see if it's relative to what you're teaching now, since it's based on Toltec. And that is is three things. One is the assemblage point where he would kind of whack Carlos, Carlosito, whatever he called him in the back. And that would like change his... uh, perception uh, of being, if you will. And then the other thing, the, the two types of things, we, uh, ways we exist in the tonal life and then the gual. So yeah. if you could, could you gift wrap those for us? Yeah, absolutely. The, the work is really to learn how to shift one's own assemblage point. So assemblage point is how you, pers- how you assemble reality. There's, it's mm-hmm. usually a very narrow window and we're, we have blinders on most of us. And so what Carlos was learning from Don Juan in the beginning, why he was giving him the medicine plants mm-hmm. is to just break him open, his right. perception open. And I don't recommend that necessarily. And he actually was like, I don't recommend this either, but you are a hard case, Carlos. Mm-hmm. So it can, it's helpful. It can be helpful, but you don't want to get dependent on anything. You want to right. learn to shift your own attention, your own assemblage point. Uh, and that takes practice. And what happens then is you start getting fixated on something. You're able to go, oh, no, sweetie, like, let's step back and let's look at this from a completely different perspective. And it also teaches you to, that how many different levels of reality there really are. Mm-hmm. There isn't just one reality. There's many, many realities. Exactly. The tonal and the nagual are these two uh, facets of the Toltec teachings that everything that we perceive, everything physical, everything that we can imagine or think about is the tonal. It's the expression of the nagual. The nagual is the unmanifest. It is the mystery. It's the unknown. People would call it God or the, the unmanifest. Okay. And that, that's the difference between those two. So we're learning how to tap into the nagual, but we're, not, we're never going to be able to speak about it. Mm-hmm. That's that deep connection to our big soul. It's, it's about recognizing yourself as part of divinity yes not in an ego-centered way but realize that you if you're part of it then the, the answers always come from inside anyway heather ash amara 
Fantastic book, fantastic guest. The Warrior Heart Practice, a simple process to transform confusion into clarity, pain into peace. We've got Carlos Castaneda, Don Miguel Ruiz, and now we've got Heather Ashamara, three great teachers. Thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Please tell everybody where they can find your book and more information about you, Heather Ash. Thanks, Robert. My website is heatherashamara.com, and that sheet that you spoke about, the mm-hmm. Warrior Heart Practice sheet is there. that can be downloaded, lots of other resources. I'm on Facebook and on all, you know, all the places, Instagram. So if you want to follow the, the Airstream Adventures, go follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to follow them. All right. Thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. You know, you don't have to be a guy to be a guys guy, and you're a guys guy, Heather Ash, so thank you. Thank you. Take good care. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. I mentioned I have a special guest today. We're going to talk about love. We're going to go back to the roots of Guys Guy Radio, which is all about relationships and love, because the source material for all things Guys Guys is my novel, The Guys Guys Guy to Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps, New York City. And it's been called The Male Sex in the City. And I always get questions about relationships. And I've been on so many shows interviewed about the book, about relationships. And now I've interviewed so many, so many relationship experts on my show. And I'm very happy to have Linda Carroll's going to be on the show. I'm going to introduce her now. But one of the things I love about what she does is that she is from the school of life in a way because you know, I, I, I interview so many experts and a lot of times, uh, you know, the experts in relationships, they're not in a relationship or they're not married or whatever. But Linda's been married uh, 25 or 30 years and I've been married 10 years. And I think that holds some water when we're talking about relationships. So let me tell you a little bit about Linda. Uh, it's her first book. It's called Love Cycles, The Five Essential Stages of Lasting Love. That was her first book. This one's called Love Skills. And it offers keys for unlocking and, un- and lasting wholehearted love. It, this book, it's going to get into a wealth of exercises, activities, and concrete tools for cr- creating and maintaining a loving relationship, specific effective solutions to the most common struggles that couples face. Let me tell you about Linda real quick, and we'll bring her on. We'll get into all of this. She's the author, as I mentioned, of Love Skills and Love Cycles. While she's worked as a therapist and a couples coach for over three decades and has acquired numerous certificates and degrees of all the way, she says that for her own 35-year marriage, it's the prime source material of her knowledge when it comes to the cycles of love. She lives in Oregon, and her website's lindacarroll.com, but she'll tell us about that when she gets on here. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Linda Carroll. Hi. Hi. Well, thanks. So much for being here. So let's let's start at the beginning. What why in in modern culture there's so many relationship experts there's so many books on love i've interviewed everyone from john gray uh on onward um and it seems like in, in his book men are from mars women are from venus and that goes back you know 30 years and it's still in a lot of ways applicable today with the some of the archetypes but what What's going on out there? Why do people and couples have so much trouble keeping it together in today's modern world? Is it, is it, is it society itself? Are things moving too quickly? Or is this just human nature and it goes back to cavemen and cavewomen? Well, I have, okay, two answers. One is you're saying that like you assumed they ever kept it together. 
And I think there's always been trouble. I mean, when you have a human being, any human being, we bring trouble with us. It's part of life. We don't just, we're born, we have a wonderful life, we die. That's not what happens. That's not what sells books. It's not what sells movies. And it's not what's true. What's true is that there is, some people have more rolling hills in their story. Some people have peaks and valleys. But the story of the human being is the story of trying to find Meaning, let's just for just a minute, I'm going to answer the second part of the question. But if you look at the oldest story in the world, the story is the search for the Holy Grail, going out and looking for something out there to fill oneself. The Wizard of Oz, it comes in every form. And what the person finds when they get out there to find the gold is what they're looking for is not out there at all. It's inside. And so that and that is the story of the struggle of the human to be able to really discover what the, what they're here for and what that has to do with on the inside of us, not the outside. So that struggle, when you put two people together and all the stuff around our life stories, our personalities, our differences, that creates a lot of challenges. And that has never not been true as long as there's been a human. So that's one. Number two is that we want something different in relationships now. You know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. I never heard my parents or their friends talk about, we want intimacy. We want a hot sex life. We're 70 years old, but let's keep it going. We want, I want you to be my best friend forever. They didn't talk like that. You know what my parents did? They said, this is our anniversary, 37 years, 38 years. And that's what they and their friends talked about in terms of relationships was how long they did it, how long they stayed in it. There was a different mindset for what people wanted. If you want intimacy... You need different rules. And I'm not saying some people didn't always find a way to get intimacy. I'm sure there were people for, you know, for decades and centuries that somehow found their way into a relationship that I would call wholehearted. For one thing, some people come with easier beginnings, easier personalities. But my husband and I are both sort of trouble. You know, we're sort of, we we both have rocky starts. We are really willful. We want our way. We didn't learn a lot about wholeheartedness growing up. So there was a lot for us to learn. And and uh, so anyway, I've answered those two questions. I could take off, you see. I just okay, all right, that's great. Uh, let us let me take a step back because I kind of bumbled on the, the opening because your first book is Love Cycles and this one is Love Skills. What's the difference between the two books? Well, okay, that's another, that's another complicated question because love, I've been teaching a class for 25 years. When, when my husband, whose name is Tim and I, had a lot of love. We had so much love. We felt sorry for everyone in the world who didn't have great love like we did. But then when we started living together and got married, we found out love wasn't enough. And we were really committed to making it work. And we knew we were hard cases. We were not built intuitively to make it work. And what I learned as a marriage counselor way before that even was that I had an inkling of it is that love is a feeling and a healthy relationship the kind that I was just talking about that most of us want is not based on the feeling. It's based on a skill set. So we set out and started to learn from everyone we could that we thought were good teachers. And I became an imago therapist. I don't know if those words mean anything, but I, we studied with people that we thought really well, had. What is it? What is that? An imago therapist. Harville Hendricks he's, he and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt. They're fabulous. It's one of many things that I did, but it's the idea that where we get into trouble is is with a partner 
is where we have unfinished business. And as a marriage therapist and love coach for 35 years, what I can tell you is that very seldom do people come to see me about the real issue. They come to me because they're arguing about, you know, about, uh, you know, I want a dog. You don't want a dog. You always want your way. You're, you're, you don't, you know, you don't pick up after yourself. You're mean to me. You're too defensive. But what's really going on underneath the issue is something else. There's something else in there. And it's all, and, and in my experience, it's about disconnection that uh, we're leaping into something. You want to keep right. leaping? No, let, let me, let me, let, let me, I got two questions for you. Let's take a step yeah. back. Because at the beginning you said, you know, about an inside job. So I'm going to take that and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, people have, uh, they look for everything on the outside in today's world and they don't, even their divinity, if you will, they, you know, they don't look, they don't consider themselves being godlike, even though everybody's from the same divine spark. And if people only recognize everybody else as having some type of divinity in them, things would go a lot better on this planet. Yes. So I, so you're, 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 I, I would think you're in agreement with me on that, that the inside job is, it's even a bigger, it's even bigger than just the relationship itself. It's about the relationship with spirit, source, whatever, as well as with yourself, yeah. as well as with somebody else. And as part of that, second point is, and unfinished business then, I think what you were referring to is that when people come to you and they have issues with their relationship, it's not a lot of times it's about they have issues with themselves and maybe not understanding who they are or what they are, or what their life's purpose is, et cetera. Is that, am I on the right track? That's part of it. But part of the unfinished business is how our influences when we were growing up. You know, I just saw a couple who had, a, you know, they, they had a pretty good relationship, but they had a continual, I call it a loop, where the the guy who was a real, uh, oh, he was like Mr. Affable. You know, everybody loved him. His job depended on his great personality. And his partner was always mad at him. And she said, you're such a narcissist, because everyone throws those words around now. Right, you're such right. a narcissist. You want to, <laughs> attention is on you. But he wasn't like that in the office. He was very generous with the time. He said, what do you think? But she was really mad at him because of the way that she said people looked at him and listened to him and didn't listen to her. But when I started digging into her story, what I found was she had a sister 18 months older than her. And she always grew up as one of the two girls, one of the girls, but no differentiation between the fact that the old, they weren't really the girls. There was an older and a younger the older always got to whatever it was first. She read first, she walked first, she talked first. But they were so close in age that that my client didn't recognize, well, of course she's better than I am in a lot of things. She's older. So she made a story up about herself that she wasn't as good as. And then that story played out when she was with this guy who was Mr. Personality. And she started to tell herself that about him, not even knowing the effect that this had mm -hmm. had. That makes Perfect sense. So what are the the usual factors that come into play? What are the what are the most popular? I don't want to say popular, excuse me, but what the most prevalent issues that couples have? Like, uh, is it the men want sex and the women's libido has gone down, oxytocin no. with the child or this or that as they get old, or, or people are find yeah. that they're growing apart from a spiritual standpoint or intellectually or just they're on a different journey in life? What, what do people usually come to you with? What are the usual problems? Okay, well, I don't, I'm going to answer that sideways. 
Okay. Because this is what we know from the research is that most couples have about 10 issues that will never, ever be resolved. That, <laughs> that what you're, sorry, that, that the trouble you I have over the, we've been fighting about the dishes for 40 years and I talk about that in my book and it's, it sounds funny, but we did some hard moves, which anyway, the issues don't go away. Here's what the difference is. And the issues are the same. You mentioned the money, sex, housework, but the, but the difference between couples who dive and couples who thrive is how they manage the conflict. The issue that I see is not about the issue people come in with generally. They, it is about how they, know, how they talk about the issue. They talk about it. They want to win. They want to get their way. They push their partner down. They don't listen. They, but they pull out proof. And, and even more than how they talk about the issue, they lose their connection. Why is it that we make a commitment to another person? It's not because they torture us. I mean, I guess that's a different you know, problem, but mm -hmm. I don't see people with that problem. Most of us get into relationship because when, when my partner looked at me, he had a smile on his face and he would say my name like no one else. And he wanted to listen and he loved to hear my ideas. So what happens three years in? I don't want to hear that story again. You always right. think you're right. And then we go into the second part of that. And I, so the, you asked me what the trouble was. It's not about issues most of the time. It's about not knowing how to stay connected when we have a disagreement about an issue. Okay. You mentioned in the book, Love Skills. By the way, Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny, our special guest, Linda Carroll. The new book is Love Skills, The Keys to Unlocking Lasting Wholehearted Love. One of the things, and there's a lot of techniques. There's a genome thing, I think, that's in there. We'll get into all of that, but... One of the things you mentioned I found very provocative is to kind of diffuse things and keep the relationship, the lines of communication open, you recommend that uh, you say to your partner, you know, tell me more. It's the three most important words. Uh, let me ask you about that because I was thinking about that and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes Then I was thinking, well, sometimes when we get into uh, the way men and women communicate, sometimes it's differently and a woman, a woman will be uh, communicating, mentioning an issue and wanting to talk through it. And a guy will be like, okay, I understand. And this is what I think. And they, they pretty much, you know, I want to hear your perspective. And then, and then over time of, of the discuss in the discussion, at a certain point, the guy runs out of stuff to say, like, I don't know how else to answer it a different way or how, well, I don't know what else I can add yet. The woman is not done with it. And the guy wants to like crawl in a hole and the woman wants to keep going. And when you say, tell me more, I, I don't know how that fits in. Help well, us with that. What is the guy often doing? He's trying to give her fix it information. So she comes home. So example, this is how it usually goes. And this isn't just with your partner. I think this is, I call this the three magic words. And I think it's good with everybody in our life not to do it all the time. We'd make each other nuts, but to do it sometimes. So mm -hmm. your friend says, to, so your partner comes in and says, or your friend, you know, I had a really, really awful day at work. What happened? Well, I can't stand this guy I'm working with. So what do we usually do at that moment? We usually say, we take the direction off into our direction. We say, right. I know, I told you not even to mess with that guy, or I knew he was trouble, or we may say, I had someone like that in my life. But here's the, the three magic words. So then I say, tell me more about it. So I let, I give it back to you. I'm here to listen to you. Right. And then you start to, you, and then hopefully 
you 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 start to no, talk. I, I, I agree with you, and that's circumstance. I agree a hundred thousand percent. The example I'm, I'm stating though is a different type of discussion where it's not uh, the guy it works a pain in the neck, and you know the guy immediately tries to solve the problem, or my car is making a noise, and the guy tries to solve a problem. Uh, the woman wants to talk about her day at work, and the guy tries to solve the problem instead of listening and saying, "Tell me more, more," and having the attitude of "Tell me more." I mean, when two people, two a couple is arguing, and the guy is like, "I don't know what else to say," and the woman keeps wanting to k- kind of work work the material around, and yeah. no matter sometimes you get to a point where no matter what your answer is, it's going to be wrong. No, so what is a guy supposed to do in that in that situation, Linda? What okay. is a guy supposed to do? when tell me more is like at a certain point is like the guy's out of words and like he doesn't know what to do. Okay. But you keep talking about what to do. There's nothing to do. I'm talking, I'm talking, we're doing this right now, back and forth. Okay. We're doing it. Do Do you know that that's happening right here between us? Okay. So I'm, so tell me more about what you're talking about. Give me an example. I just did. A couple is arguing about whatever it is, and the, the the woman has a dissatisfaction with something in terms of the guy's behavior, whatever. Maybe it's doing the dishes or clearing the table. Who knows? And she goes through it, and the guy's like, okay, I'll do better next time, or okay, I'll take care of that. And she yeah. says, for You're instance, for instance, hold on, for instance, she says uh, something like, uh, I shouldn't have to ask, you know, or he says, I'll, I'll take care of the vacuuming. Well, you should be doing it already. I shouldn't have to tell you when. And so it gets to the point where the guy says, okay, I'll do better next time. And then, but it's, it's un, it's unresolved. And like, if the guy keeps saying, okay, tell me more, tell me more. It's like getting hit, hit me with a stick another oh, time. No, like at a certain point you get it, like you get it. Like, okay, I understand the vacuuming has to get done. I'll just be intuitive and do it when I think it needs to be done. And that's the end of it. But it doesn't seem like that's, it, that, that might not be even the core issue. No, because what you're talking about is she's going on and on and on about if you love me, you'd vacuum. I can't believe you didn't do it. You're talking about a parentification of an issue where the woman is saying to the man, why didn't you do it? And she's hitting him with a stick. And he, But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, so she says, I, you, you were going to do the dishes, you didn't do them. He doesn't say, hit me again. He says, no, maybe he says, you know, I didn't. Um, uh, so tell, t- you know, what, so, so. Tell me what what that was was like for you. She says, I came home and they weren't done. And I felt really, really upset. And then he says, I'd like to hear more about that upset. Not defending him doing the dishes. We've now moved into different territory. We've moved into the new territory where he says, what does that mean that I didn't do the dishes for you, honey? I see you're really upset. She says, I guess it means that you don't value my time. And he says... Well, that sounds like that would hurt. Tell me what, how, how do I not value your time? How does that translate into not doing the dishes? And then, you know, she starts crying and says, well, my father left when I was 12 and he didn't value my time and never came back. I mean, you don't know where it's going to go, but you're keeping it on the level of her complaining. And no one wants to hear more about complaining. I'm talking about asking a, a, for a deeper dive. What does this really mean? You forgot the spinach. Okay. How long can we give that? Twenty, you know, three days? No. But what does that mean? You forgot the spinach. But that, that sounds like. Let me let me interrupt. It sounds like you know you're asking the guy to say, "Let's have the talk," because we first I was getting hit on the head about spinach, and now I'm asking for the talk. And uh, you know, it's good to have the talk, but it's not too often that guys are going to step up and say, 
let's have the talk. That's usually that there, you know, and it's good to have the talk now and then, but, um, you know, sometimes, and sometimes one of these issues is just, it, it is an executional type issue. It may not go all the way back to, you know, uh, you know, somebody's afraid of water because uh, when they were six years old, uh, mommy was drinking her martini, flirting with a lifeguard while you, when you fell in the pool. It might not be that. It might be simply like somebody's lazy and they don't do the, they don't chip in enough around the house. And it, it's, it may not be a bigger, bigger issue. How do you know when the, I mean, you know, it's a fine line, it seems like in terms of- but here's what you're doing. What did you do when you started in the relationship? You listened. You listened. And most issues, you, you started this by asking me what are the issues. The issues are what's under the issue. If I feel like you care about me, I don't care if you do the dishes or not. If I feel like you get that I'm just really tired, and I when I come home and I see the dishes, I get so anxious, I feel like I have to do them, and that that matters to you, the fact that you didn't do the dishes is secondary. People stop listening to each other and, and they stop caring about what's really going on. And that's what you asked me the trouble. That's, that's one of the biggest troubles that I see is that when we're in the beginning, we sit, we listen on each other's every word. We want to hear the stories. We want to understand. Then we've got, then we, we've done it. And I agree there, you, you know, that, that most men have much less of an appetite. My husband says, you want to talk about something and then you want to talk about talking about it. And then you want to talk about talking exactly. about it. And, and, uh, and, that's, and that's another thing, and that's true. And we have a different appetite, often the genders, for how we talk about stuff. But I'm talking about something different. Well, hang on, though. I mean, because there has to be some empathy for the guy's perspective on that, because tell me more. There's a certain point where tell me more becomes please stop, because if you hear the same thing over and over again from eight different angles and, it, it you know, at a certain point, you have to everybody has to take a step back and say, OK, let's not you know, it might be about a bigger issue than uh, doing the dishes. But let's 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 not make this thing into World War Three. Uh, and let's let's make it about communication because people can get very upset with this and get frustrated and it's very it's 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 a uh, it's it's not that easy to uh, to navigate sometimes this type of conversation when the tell me more to me is a uh, is great uh, but it has to be deployed uh, strategically yes. of course of course but here's the thing that it can get to if it is employed strategically it can get to empathy my mm -hmm. husband. And I used to fight about time. We got, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was like a miniseries. And we'd start to go somewhere and he'd start looking at his watch. And he did it purposely. He did it sort of hostily. He'd look at his watch and he'd even point to his watch. And as soon as he did that, what do you think I did? Speed up or slow down? Okay. I would think you got upset. <laughs> Whatever you did. And I went slower and I got more anxious and he'd right. get more anxious. And by the time we'd get in the car, Often to go somewhere to teach a class on love, we'd be so mad at each other. And this right. time thing went on and on and on until we did a variation of this, which we had to do because we were in a class where I wanted to know what being on time really meant to him. And he asked me what it was that kept me from being on time. And we listened to each other and we, felt we were surprised at what we came up with, really surprised. And when we understood that it was a deeper issue than my controlling him, and him trying to control me, we had enough empathy for each other that that stopped being an issue. When we can get to empathy, unless you're just into torturing each other, and sometimes people have recreational fighting, and again, though, they're complaining about something when they're really upset about is, you're not giving me enough attention or care or love, and it's coming out in the dishes. 
Okay. So I'm just really saying, how do we get to the real issue? All right. Our special guest is Linda Carroll. She's the author of Love Cycles and now the new book, Love Skills, The Keys to Lasting Wholehearted Love. So you have a lot more. To, I mean, the book is chock full of exercises and and lots of other stuff. What are what would be your top three pointers? You know, obviously, we want them to pick up love cycles and love skills. But just you've heard it all, Linda. What would be your three words of advice to couples to make sure to help them keep their relationship getting stronger and stronger and going and going and et cetera? My, okay, number one is, to, is what I say throughout the book is that love is a feeling and the feeling comes and goes. And, you, and you're with somebody for longer than three years, you're going to have a lot of different feelings. There's many seasons. And to know that if you're in the winter or you're feeling numb or dead or angry a lot of the time, it's not necessarily the end of love. It's a season you're in. And so love is a feeling. A wholehearted relationship is a skill set. If okay. we want a different relationship than what we saw growing up, we've got to learn different skills. Okay. So a lot of what I believe is that, that anybody can do it. If, you have, if you're willing to, do, to learn the skills and practice them, okay. anyone can have a better relationship. All right. So love is a feeling. Number two. A wholehearted relationship is a skill set. Okay. Number three. Okay, I could do a lot, but here's number three, is that when you're complaining all the time and, you, and you're full of what's wrong, see if you can figure out what the wish is under the complaint. You never talk to me anymore. What's the wish? I miss you. Mm -hmm. Talk. You never hold my hand. And it's often it comes out against the person. Under that is what? It's the wish. I want to touch you. What's going to go? What, what will go better if your wife says to you, I miss touching you or why don't you touch me? Mm -hmm. All right. Last question, which I like to ask my guests is what doing your work over these 30 plus years, what is the one thing you've learned about humanity? That I'm always surprised. I see couples that everything is wrong, just the biggest message you have ever seen. And they say, we're going to work it out. And they do. And I see couples who have so much going for them and they walk away. I'm always surprised. Got it. Okay. Uh, love Skills. Linda Carroll is the author, The Keys to Unlocking Lasting Wholehearted Love. Linda, where can people find out about you and your books and your work? Linda A. Carroll. LindaACarroll.com is my website. Everything's on there. You can buy my book in any bookstore, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever you want, wherever you shop. Um, I have an Instagram page, Linda Carroll Official, and I try to post relevant things on there. Fantastic. Okay. So Linda Carroll, thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Great job and uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks so much. Robert Manny's The Guys Guys Guide to Love is a fast-paced tale of flawed men and savvy women competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps. It's the men's successor to Sex in the City. The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stakes world of Madison Avenue. Available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Guy's Guy's Radio, we're back. Great guests we had today. Uh, Heather Ash Amara, The Warrior Heart Practice, and also Linda Carroll, Love Skills. So what did we learn? I think uh, real quick, we learned from Linda Carroll that it's important to those three words, tell me more. And it's what, what that's really about is for men particularly to make sure they don't shut down conversations 
with their lady partners uh, when there's something important to be discussed. And it's easy for guys to say, yeah, that's how I feel and that's it, and then tune out. And it's very important that we don't do that or come across as if we're doing that. So great information there. Thank you, Linda Carroll. Uh, in terms of Heather Ashamara, I think from her book, The Warrior Heart Practice, what we really learned there is that a lot of times we create situations in our head. We kind of make mountains out of molehills. Uh, you know, something may happen and uh, it triggers a whole bunch of lot of past feelings and uh, anxiety about the future uh, and fear of the past, fear of the future, whatever, based on other events that are similar. And it's not necessary to do that because the only thing that really matters is the present. And a lot of times we build stories in our head based on past occurrences, experiences, and behaviors. So we have her practice allows us to kind of process uh, the information and how we feel about it, going through it and then coming back again. I think it's really good. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here to bring out guests, bring out information that'll help you think help you feel, and hopefully help you act. So that's what I'm all about here in Guys Guys Radio after, you know, 400 plus shows and also probably interviewing about 500 people because a lot of the shows have two guests. I think that I've become pretty adept with my team in terms of uh, qualifying who the guests should be from all different walks of life. And uh, so we're here to bring you that information and then you use it the way you want to use it or maybe you don't want to use it. It's up to you. That's Guys Guys Radio. So we're on KCAA every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time. The show rebroadcasts uh, Sundays at 2 p.m. 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. in sunny Southern California. The podcast drops right after that, and we're, we're everywhere. So I hope you can check that out. If you want to su- support the show, I would go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, give us a review. Or subscribe. I think when you go there and you check out what has been written up till now and also reviews of my novel, it's all terrific stuff. And I'm very, very appreciative of you, my audience, all the people who support me and all these wonderful guests we've had. So we're going to be back next week on Guys Guys Radio. We'll have a a guest or two. I haven't determined that yet, but we keep recording shows and we've got plenty more in the pipeline for you. So as I always like to say at the end of the show... What do I always like to say at the end of the show? Oh, yeah. Guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>